I mentioned last week we came out of the fourth chapter of Hebrews uh, and we dealt with on last week um, the rest that we have in the Lord today as we walk and move and have our being in him. We have a confidence, an assurance um, that God has our back and that he will support us through every situation. And so the continuation of that chapter, the the fourth chapter of Hebrews and the 11th, um, those 11 verses, uh, it also talks about eternal rest uh, that we receive when we accept Jesus as our personal Savior. So we will uh, deal with that this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Most gracious and all-wise God, as, as we come this morning, oh God, the preaching hour has arrived. You said, O Lord, in your word that we are to lift your son. And you said by lifting your son, you've attached it to a promise that you should draw all men unto you. And so, Father, it is our aim, our hope, our prayer, and our desire this morning to lift Jesus. uh, That somebody might see the desire to receive him as their Lord and Savior this morning. So, Father, I pray that you open up hearts and minds and ears this morning that someone might accept you and come on the Lord's side. I pray, O God, that you use your servant this day, that you allow me to decrease and you increase and just hide me behind the cross. And Father, I'm here physically, but let them people know that it is the Holy Ghost that is being, uh, that is using uh, your holy and divine servant. As always, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be found pleasing and acceptable in thy sight. O my Lord, my strength and redeemer. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. We have a few scripture verses for you this morning. Three, four, five, six, eight, nine, ten, and eleven. And it reads For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for others, God said, In my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter the place of rest, even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. We know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all of his works, work. So God rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest to come. Verse 9. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as people of Israel did, we will fail. I want to read it in the message. It kind of solidifies what we just read um, rather beautifully. And so there is still a live promise. It wasn't canceled at the time of Joshua. Otherwise, God wouldn't kept renewing the appointment for today. The promise of arrival and rest is still there for God's people. God himself is at rest. 
And at the end of the journey, we'll, we'll surely rest with God. So let's keep at it and eventually arrive at the place of rest, not to drop out through some sort of disobedience. Uh, I believe I heard, I believe there's a rumor going around that there's some big football game on today. I think they call it the Super Bowl. The ultimate goal of every NFL football league franchise is to survive an entire season as the last team standing as the winner of the Super Bowl. That team lives on forever in pro football history, forever a champion in what is the most popular sport in North America. There is a list of all-time greats who have played and at some point hoisted the Vince Lombardi trophy in the air in the middle of the field after winning the Super Bowl. That includes the likes of Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Brett Favre, Lawrence Taylor, Terry Bradshaw, and our own Peyton Manning and so many others. Many teams have came painfully close but never reaching the mountaintop. They fell just short of being called a champion forever. Can you imagine their disappointment? I remember in uh, 2000, the Tennessee Titans and the St. Louis Rams, the Titans trailed in the fourth quarter 23 to 16 with five seconds to go and they had the ball on the Rams 10 yard line. Steve McNair drops back to throw a pass and he completes it to Kevin Dyson and the play went for nine yards. Linebacker Michael Jones tackled him inches from the goal line, denying the Titans to, to the opportunity to be called champions forever. In 2015, when the Seahawks, who, who was on the verge of becoming the ninth team ever to win back-to-back -back Super Bowl champions, to be Super Bowl champions in 2004 Super Bowl against the Patriots, they had the greatest defense and they allowed the fewest points in NFL history for the last three years, but it was not to be. Brandon Brower jammed Jermaine Curse, and, and Malcolm Butler stepped in front of the ball and intercepted it and changed the game. The Patriot fans will remember that forever, and the Seahawks fans will wish and only look in regret for having come short of winning a Super Bowl. Only if we could guarantee our favorite football team championships for the first time. Can you imagine their joy? It should be the goal of every believer at the end of our life to spend it with God for all eternity. And yet there are so many who have come up short of reaching that goal. Heaven, God's salvation, God's rest. Just like the Israelites have missed the opportunity because they did not believe and trust in God's holy word. We as believers will have an opportunity to enter the Super Bowl of life, enter into heaven. Could you imagine living a lifetime and having an opportunity to enter into God's salvation, God's heaven and God's rest and just come up short? and have never understand, uh, never have the opportunity to realize what it is to reign with God forever. That's what happened in our text to the Israelites. They had an opportunity to enter into God's rest, entering into God's promised land, but just came up short because of unbelief.
They never got to rest with God. In our verses 3 through 11, it shows us from the Old Testament text that there is rest to enter into. God's plan for his people to join him in his most wonderful restfulness of of heaven from all of their wearies and their burdens and to wipe all tears from their eyes. So the writer says that he, they heard the gospel, they heard the good news, but just like readers today, they didn't receive the word. So the writer continues to compare Israel's situation in the wilderness to our situation of believers today. What is the good news that you hear preached? That the Lord God is good, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, truth, mercy, and forgiveness of that kind of love that keeps thousands and thousands of believers. He, He is good for every kind of iniquity, transgression, and sin. It is the good news that has been promised that God will bring us into the land of milk and honey that he would be our God and we, his, we would be his people forever if we just trusted him and would not rebel. Then we could have eternal rest only if we believe. Grace and glory is attainable for every believer in the Gospels. There is an offer and a promise for those who will accept that offer. Those who might have attained salvation through faith may fall short because of unbelief. It's a dreadful thing that so many have fallen short of the gospel rest. There is a means that, a means that prevent us from either real short falling or seeming falling short to maintain a holy relationship and, and a religious fear that we shall not fall short. This will make us vigilant, diligent, serious, and sincere. This fear puts us in in to examine our faith and to exercise it. As sure as the unbelieving Jew fell in the wilderness and never reached the promised land, it is sure that unbelievers shall fall, fall into destruction. They should never reach heaven. Jesus himself is the captain of our salvation Notwithstanding all of his fullness, his grace, and his strength that dwells in him, he will not and cannot give at the final call the unbeliever either spiritual rest or eternal rest. It is only for those who have accepted God as their personal Savior and have abandoned sin that they can enter eternal rest. Is anybody in the house this morning? As we examine this text. It points out five points in history where individuals failed to keep God's promises, believe in God's promises and his rest for his believing people. The scripture tells us that the place is ready now. It is ready for us because God himself at the end of all of creation rests. And he has provided that rest when we have done all of our labor on this side. There is a place of rest for us to enter into. We find out in Genesis 2 and 2, on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all of his work. God has made it possible to know the Holy Sabbath. And at this time, none of the human race 
on the earth except our first parents. From, for them, the Sabbath was appointed and clearly for all succeeding generations also. The Christian Sabbath is which we much observe, which we observe now on the seventh day as we celebrate our God and our Savior. But there will come a time when we will finish our work on this side and we will reap the reward of our redemption and we will receive restful and peaceful salvation from our God. And we will rest, rest in a place of joy and we will enjoy the fellowship with God forever. The writer in the text says that is a reality for believers. He says others will be lost. In Hebrews chapter 3, 19 says this, says they did not enter God's rest. They fell in the wilderness. God swore in his wrath that they would never enter his rest. Watch this, a picture of missing heaven. Why did they miss heaven? Because of unbelief. They rejected the good news. They didn't believe in God's promise that he would give them the promised land. And so why did Israel wander the desert for 40 years rather than entering the promised land? The very simple answer is they, did, they doubted. They distrusted God. They did not have faith in his promises that he would give them a better future than they had in Egypt. They gave up on God and they wanted their old life back. And so in our text, it says this, that God was angry and he swore an oath. And so as we focus in on the history of Israel, we will find that in their rebelling spirit in the wilderness, that they never entered God's rest, God's promised land to Israel. And yet the entire generation did not experience the fulfillment of the promise we find in the text in Psalms 95. In verse 9, it says this, for there your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw everything I did. For 40 years, I was angry with them. And I said, they are, they are a people whose heart turned from me. They refused and did not, did, did not do what I told them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Israel's history is recorded in the book of Numbers, 12 to 13 months after the exodus from Egypt. And whenever you hear Egypt, it really is just a type of the world, a type of world. Israel had spent most of the year after coming out of Egypt in the, rain, in the area of Mount Sinai, where they had received the law, where they had constructed the tabernacle. And for the next 39 years, the history of Israel is recorded in the book of Numbers. And God had promised them victory in the land. And he commanded them to take it because it was ready for them. All they had to do was trust him and not obey. Can you imagine their excitement when they must have heard that the Israelites were going to arrive, the entire nation, at finally at the place of promise of God? And that they moved across the wilderness. And they were moving toward a land called, said, that had milk and honey. And over the past year, the Israelites were excited in anticipation with reaching the land of Canaan. And so after 11 months, they finally reached the promised land. But soon as they reached the area just outside 
of the promised land. They began to complain about their hardships. They began to complain about the food they were eating. They said only if we had meat to eat, only if we, they remembered the fish that they had ate in Egypt at no cost, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, and the onions, and the garlic, and they had lost their appetites because they said we have eaten nothing but manna. And so here they are, complaining about God and Moses. And they even thought, we want new leaders. And they thought about killing Moses and electing their own leaders, and they were just outside of the land. And so they sent in two spies into the land, two from each tribe of Israel to explore the land. And they came back and they said, Yes, it is truly the land does flow with milk and honey. However, there are giants in the land and they are devouring everybody who's in the land. And so the people said, no, we can't go into the land. And so it upset God and God considered about destroying the Israelites right then. But Moses went to God and pleaded for the people. And God said, okay, Moses, I will forgive them. But nevertheless, not one of them who are, who are over the age of 20 shall enter into the land of, of promise. And so they all wandered around the desert for 40 years until every one of them fell that was over the age of 20, except Joshua and Caleb who entered into the land. But there's something that we must understand about the Israelite children. Watch this. We must pause for a moment to reflect on what this generation of Israelites have seen with their own eyes for the past two years. They looked upon Moses when he confronted Pharaoh. And they, they, they witnessed the plagues that God sent in to defeat the gods of Egypt. And eventually Pharaoh had, had been beaten to his knees and let them go. And as they were leaving, they stood at the Red Sea and they were trapped by the Red Seas. The mountains were on the side of them and Pharaoh's army was behind them and they saw God part the Red Sea and they walked across on dry land and then God had the, the sea crash in on the Pharaoh army. They saw all of the miracles and majesties of God in their own lives and yet they could not believe that he would deliver them in the land of promise of milk and honey. We have witnessed in our own lives all of the promises of God and everything that he has delivered us from and saved us from and brought us out of. And how is it possible that we can somehow find it in our spirit to, uh, to not believe and doubt God at his promise? don't you understand that's what Israel did how many has he brought back to health how many has he brought back from financial ruin how many has he restored out of their sinfulness and pain and yet we continue not to believe God like the Israelites in the wilderness the Christian is between promise and fulfillment the ultimate sis since like Israel in the wilderness we have been delivered from slavery and we have we, we have not reached our final destination of resting as Christians how are you handling the wilderness are you just wandering in the wilderness or are you entering into God's rest are you trusting and obeying God are you experiencing his rest 
Perhaps we are still enslaved in Egypt, in the world. You cannot enter the promised land. You cannot enter God's rest without leaving Egypt. And the Bible says that only Jesus can set us free. The Israelites turned back. When the road ahead became difficult, they failed to obey God's instructions and did not trust in his promises. Is there something in your life that God wants you to do, but you haven't done it because of fear or lack of faith? Have you humbled yourself before the Lord to seek his help? And have you made every effort to enter into his rest? And again, in, the pa- in this passage, if not, there shall not be any rest to enter. The promised land is a picture of God's great and ultimate rest for the believing and not for those who will rebel. They shall be excluded from the Sabbath day of rest. This proposal of rest and entering into God's rest of grace is here and now it's in the glory hereafter it's in christ on earth and it's with christ in heaven that we shall experience this rest and the way to this end is to labor to diligently labor then there shall be rest you will rest from your work and you will live forever in the hereafter due to your diligence and labor your rest will be sweet And rest shall follow us the moment we close our eyes on this side from laboring. Oh, how sweet. Ecclesiastes 5 and 12 says this. Let us therefore labor. Let us all agree and be unanimous in this. Let us be quickened. Let us quicken one another and call upon one another to diligence. It is to be truthful of the truest act of friendship. When we see our fellow believers loud loitering, we must remind them that they cannot forget. They cannot turn back from their business of labor. And we shall be earnest in our pursuits. And so here it is. Joshua was successful in taking the next generation into God's rest. And he says that there's still a day of rest for us. And so the Bible challenges us as believers and says this, listen, so let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, like the people of Israel did, the word of God said we will fail. This final verse 11 has in it an exhortation to avoid danger of not laboring. And second, it has a motivation for us that there is a place that we will end in God's ultimate rest. So what does that labor consist of for us? Here it is. The mind must be intent on the business of salvation. In this labor, there will be pain, but we must be diligent. The labor for salvation is working as if your life depend on it and everything is at stake. In this labor, there is haste. Our work must be done now. For the time of laboring is today and there is no time to waste. Philippians 2 and 12 says this, Dear friend, always follow my instructions. You always follow my instructions when I was here with you. 
And now that I am away, it is even more important to work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For what are we to labor? We're to labor that we might enter into God's eternal rest. How should we labor? We should labor willingly, cheerfully, diligence, and with all might, resolution, consistently, and with fear and trembling, and quickly and evangelistically. In John 6 and 27 says this, But do not be concerned about perishing things like food. Spend your energy seeking eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. Today there's still a resting place. There's still a place where God's people will enjoy the promised land. The Hebrew text says in chapter 3 verse 12, it says this, listen, be careful then my dear brothers and sisters make sure your hearts are not evil and unbelieving turning you away from the living God you must warn each other every day while it's still today so that no one will be deceived by sinning and hardening heart a hardened heart against God for if we are faithful to the end Trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we shall enter, we shall, mm, I'm sorry, and we will share in belonging to Christ. We ought to want to hear the words found in 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. And it says this, for I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I remain faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Here is our closing confession for today. If you would stand and read this with me. For this season of refinement, read it please aloud, say aloud. Father, in this season of refinement, focus for me. I was quiet for a purpose so I can hear you.
Won't you accept that rest? Won't you enter that rest? Won't you work while it is today? And accept Jesus as your Savior. So that you won't have the disappointment at the end of your life that there will not be rest available for you. Those who accept him will walk in that faith and will stand before our Lord and Savior and hear those wonderful words. Well done. Well done. My good and faithful servant. Is there one here this morning who is not yet Receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Yes, you can do it right from where you stand. Or you can make a confession before men that today's the day of salvation. And I've received Jesus as my personal Savior. As the band sings and plays, let the Lord minister to your heart this morning.